This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. All right, so we will continue on the topic that we started around dealing with death. And uh, Ms. Castillo did an excellent, outstanding job of talking about the origin of death. And for myself, I'm going to deal with death, the enemy of God. Again, death, the enemy of God. And this is a topic to me, I mean, when it comes to talking about death, um, again, this is these topics to me are, are so important for a ministry, a church, a body of believers need to really truly understand. Uh, again, go back and listen to what's already been taught already because this is something that we all have to address, we all have in common. Uh, we have to understand what it really means when it comes to death because no one's immune from this, right? This is something that we all shall encounter. One shape, form, or matter, right? You're going to encounter death. You know, you're going to have a loved one that's going to pass, and guess what? One day you're going to pass. Um, and so, you know, you, you want to make sure you understand about death. And so that's why I really enjoy these kind of teachings, because it's something that we all have in common. Uh, we have to know how to deal with death. And so in previous teachings, again, uh, our sister, she talked about how the origin of death is sin. Right? Understand that the origin of death is sin. Right? And sin impacted all of creation. And sin is in the earth now because of that impact. And because of sin, death passed Onto all men. Right? So that means, again, no one's exempt. No one's exempt from death, from dying. You know, it said that in, in Genesis, right? If you disobey, Adam disobeyed that commandment, and dying, you shall surely die. And that commandment is for all of us. Adam passed that on to all of us. It is what it is. It's not here to blame no one. Right? We're not blaming Adam because, trust me, using Adam's shoes, you would did the same thing. Right? It's not a blame game. But understand, there's consequences for the actions that was made, and those consequences now is, is sin and death is here. Okay? But here's the objective of this teaching. We're going to examine death, but also we're going to look at how, as believers, we have victory over death through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I mean, to me, that's why I love this, because we have victory over death. Even though there's things set into motion when Adam committed his sin, his transgression, we have victory over death through Jesus Christ. And as we go throughout this teaching, you, you'll see it. You'll see, you'll catch it. Well, the victory is all found in Christ Jesus. And that's why, as believers, we, we're not, we don't sorrow as we don't have without hope. We have hope. Our hope is in the gospel. Our hope is in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have hope. Death is not, does not have the final stay in our life. In the life to come. So it is good news. Alright, so now before we talk about death, let's make sure we talk about life. And we're going to talk a little bit, spend a little time talking about life. And what I mean about talking about life, we're talking about God. God, He is the living God. We serve, we worship, we honor the living God. I, I hope we never forget that. God is a living God. Everything about God is alive. He's a living God. Now look at this in Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 10. We serve the living God. Jeremiah, chapter 10. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 10. Looking at verse number 10. 
it says, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God, an everlasting king. In his wrath, the earth shall, rem- shall tremble, and all nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. Again, the Lord is the true God. He is the living God. We serve a living God. God is a living God. Look at this in Matthew chapter 22. Again, Matthew chapter 22. Again, we're just talking about life. How life is found in God. God is life. It's God. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. Look at this in verse number 32. Matthew 22 verse 32 says, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Always remember that God is not the God of the dead, but the living. Why is this so important? Because the things, remember the teaching that came before this, right? It was never God's intention for man to die. It was because of the, 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 the circumstances that Adam transgressed that caused sin to be passed on to all men. But that was never God's intentions. God said, I'm the God, not of the dead, but of the living. We serve the living God. There is no death in God. Never forget that. There's no death in God. We serve the living God. God is the source of all life. God is. He is the source of all life. Look at this in Acts chapter 17. The book of Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, starting at verse 24. Acts 17 and 24. It says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, Neither is worshipped with man's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath in all things. Again, we said, you see here that God gives all to all life and breath in all things. God made the world in all things therein. That's why he is the creator of all. Life. And he giveth to all life and breath in all things. Verse 26. And have made of one blood of all nations of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and have determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Again, we understand that in Leviticus it's talking about life is in the blood. Again, God is a source of all life. He's made it to all one blood. I love this. Of all nations of men. God is the source of all life. That they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after Him and find Him, though He be not far from every one of us. Verse 28, For in Him, who is that Him? In God. It's in Him that we live. It's in Him, God, that we move. It's in Him that we have our being, our very existence. It's because of God. 
God is the source of our life. He is the source. Without God, you do not have life. Right? So, so think about this, right? Think about how we operate, how we think sometimes. We think it's all about us. We think, you know, how we got here, how we were created. And again, God had a plan and purpose for your life. Regardless of how you end up here on this earth. Regardless of what your father, your mother did, what the circumstances around you, how you got conceived and how you got born and whatever family you was in, it was not a surprise to God. God's the source of all life. In other words, you're not an accident. Right? No matter what your parents said, you may have been one of those oops and you showed up. But it was never a surprise to God because God's the source of all life. You were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. You are an appointed time where God wanted you to be here. Never think that you're, you're out of your time. You're here right on time. According to God's purpose. Stay with God's purpose. He's the source of all life. Now look at this in Genesis chapter 2. Again, before we get into death, we're just talking about life. God is the source of all life. Genesis chapter 2. Look at this in verse number 7. It says, and the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So we see the creation of man came from God. God is the source of all life. That means God, man was formed by God. Understand that man was formed by God. From the dust of the ground. And then God breathed into man's nostrils. And then he became a living soul. Right? So, I mean, man was formed from the dust of the ground. But until God breathed into his nostrils, that's when he became a living soul. Because God is the source of all life. So that means life for man came from God. I'll keep repeating this. You do not have life outside of God. So that means you better find your purpose and place in God's, in God's plan and His order. Stop looking for the source of life outside of God. Get these past scriptures we're reading, right? The Lord God, He is the true God. He is the Lord. That means I need to find out from Him what is life all about. The life that He has given me, He's given all of us life. What is it all about? Why am I here at this time? And I'm going to tell you, you know, it's not about you. It's about God's plan and His purpose. See, if we stay with these things, this, this will help us when it comes to dealing with death. If we understand about life. What, what do I mean by that? Because, again, God brought me here for a purpose. And so here's the, here's the thing, right? There's a, there's a designated time I have to fulfill God's purpose while I'm here. And we spend a lot of time wasting time about our purpose while we're here. And then when someone passes away, we're like, oh, we, we, you know, we, we have a heart, you know, we, we miss them, we have sorrow, we have grief. And that's understandable because we miss that individual. But did it fulfill the purpose that God had brought them here for? There's joy in that. I'm going to tell you, there's joy to know that I have fulfilled God's purpose. Regardless if I live for 30 years or I live for 100 years. The whole purpose is not amount of years. It's about my purpose that I fulfill being here based on God's plan and His purpose. Purpose. Line yourself up with purpose. 
That'll help you understand when, when the time comes when, when all of us pass away, when all of us return to the dust of the ground, you say, well, you know some they fulfilled God's purpose while they were here. Th- those are comforting words because then we can all stand before God and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we all want to hear. But if we have not fulfilled God's purpose while we're here, we just wasted time, all about us, all about me, all about I. But what about God? The one that's giving you life. Alright, so again, man was formed by God from the dust of the ground. And God breathed into a man's nostril and he became a living soul. So life for man comes from God. So in this passage of scripture, Genesis 2 and 7, we see that man is a spirit, soul, and body. It's all captured in this one passage of scripture. That man is spirit, soul, and body. So we start with the body, right? The body is from the dust of the ground. That means man has a physical body from the dust of the ground. Then man has a spirit because he said God breathe. And that word that breathe, breath, talks about a Hebrew word representing spirit. So man has a spirit. And then man has a soul, meaning that from God breathing into man, he became a living soul. I mean, man now is able to reason, able to choose, able to have a free will. Man even has a conscience. You know, understand things, put the things together. Man, now, that's part of your soul. Your memories, your thoughts, your decisions. You know, how, how your environment impacts you. Man has that. That's part of him being becoming a living soul. You know, that's why I always say you are here. You are here in this environment right now. Your environment is impacting you in this, everything that you're doing. That's because you have a soul. Those, those people that are in the graveyard, they're not impacted by this what's happening right now. You know, the things that happened this past week, they weren't impacted by that. There's no pandemic for those in the graveyard. But you are impacted. Your soul is all is here. Everything around you has been impacted. Because you are alive. You have a living soul. So man has a spirit, soul, and body. Right? Meaning that man is a spirit that possesses a soul and lives in a physical body. And you need to have that physical body in order to dwell here on the earth. Again, man is a spirit, possesses a soul that lives in this physical body. Again, why are these things so important? Right? Because understand, this physical body is just a shell. The real you is inside of this physical body. That's why when we get to a place where you know we have funerals and, and, and somebody has passed away and they have the, the body, the casket there and the body's in the casket, that's just the physical body that's going to return to the dust of the ground. But the real you continues on. And people get caught up. And understand, I, and I'm not belittling these things, right? Because I understand. It's, it's real hurt. They get caught up with that physical body, that shell. But the real them is gone. They're gone. And you can tell. That means you can say whatever you want to say to that, that physical body. They won't respond because they're gone. At that time, the spirit and the soul has left. 
and the physical body is now going to return to the dust of the ground. And that's what happens at death. Right? That's what happens at death. And again, because of Adam's sin, death of the physical body will occur. That happens at death. The physical and natural body stops functioning. It's going to return to the dust of the ground. But the spirit and soul does not die. It stays intact and continues on. That happens at death. And that's for all of us. Look at this. We're still in Genesis. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. And again, our, our, you know, we read these things before. We'll just go over these things again. Talk about physical death. What happens, right? Genesis chapter 3. Look at this in verse 19. Genesis chapter uh, 3, verses 19. It says, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, from dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So again, it's, it's very clear, right? Your physical body, it says dust thou art, from dust you're going to return. That physical body will return to the dust of the ground. And that's why, you know, most cases they have a burial, have a casket. They put the body in that casket and burial and it returns to the dust of the ground. That's the makeup of the body, the physical body. Look at this is Ecclesiastes chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. The book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. <coughs> <coughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Let me find it. <clears throat> Starting in verse number 7. Get there. Ecclesiastes 12 and 7. It says, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Again, God is a God, the source of all life. He breathed into man and he became a living soul. So the physical body, the dust of the ground, has been turned to the ground. But the spirit should return to God who gave it. That's interesting. What does it mean the spirit will return to God who gave it? That means you're going to give it an account for everything you, every deed you've done in this body. Catch that, right? The real you that dwells in this physical body is going to one day stand before the living God and give an account for everything he did in this body. That's called eternal judgment. And that's for all of us. You're going to give an account. Account of what? Everything you've done. Every deed. Every act. Every decision that you made. Again, that's why I say I love, these teachings I really do love. Because this is, a, this is a time when you need to examine your immortality, understanding that you are not going to live forever. Or your mortality. <laughs> you know, some of us think we're going to live forever. And especially with the young people, you know, I, I've been young before. I understand the mentality of a young person. A young person, they, they think 30 is old. Until you get 30. Then after you get 30, you say, almost all downhill now. No, it's not downhill now. 
Life is just beginning for you. <laughs> but every deed you've done in the flesh while you was a young person, all those youthful lust activities that you're doing, and to be clear, all that sinning that you're doing, you got to give an account for all that. Every choice, every decision that you've made, you got to stand before the living God and give an account. Don't never lose that statement, right? You have to stand before, remember I said, the living God. And here's the thing about when you stand before the living God. Everything before God is open and naked. He knows it all. So get ready to plead your case before God about why you made the choices that you made. Because here's, here's the thing I love about God. God will roll back the tape for you. God at the time, He's going to open up the books for you. He's going to have everything recorded and documented. Because I'm going to tell you, you know, we have amnesia sometimes when it comes to things we did. We forgot why we did the things we've done. But God wrote it all down. In other words, He knows what motivated you to act the way you act. Every decision that you made. We can hide behind a lot of things. We can say, well, because of this, it's because of that. But God's like, uh, let's go back. Let's, let's rebrand. Let's see your mentality you had back then. And then, then God's going to show you, here's all the counsel that we gave you and all the things that were taught to you. All, I, all this I have brought before you. To get you to, to make the, the decision according to the, the standard of God. But you chose to reject his counsel. So now you're going to see the consequences for that. Well, what's so important about that? No one's getting away with anything. Nobody. No one's exempt from this. See, that's why, hey, the Bible said, vengeance is mine, said, Lord. That's why I'm not here trying to pay you back for whatever you've done towards me. Payback's coming for you anyway. I'm trying to help you to get yourself where you can repent from the deeds you've done in this flesh that you know are wrong against God. Because He's the one you've got to answer to. Understand that, especially you young adults. I know how you feel about your parents, right? You feel like I've got to answer to your parents. You know, it gets a point in time, you're going to answer for you. You know, that God-pleasing relationship you have with your parents, thinking that they're the one. You have to answer to God. So, important to understand these, these messages, right? You're going to stand before the living God one day. And some of y'all sooner rather than later. Like I said, don't think age, well, I got plenty of time. No, you, you don't know when your point in time is. Your point in time could be coming up real soon. That's why you better stay on God's plan and His purpose. That is the priority. So again, we see that the physical body is going to turn to the dust of the ground, but the spirit and the soul stays intact and moves on. All right, let's go to Acts. I'm sorry, Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter 16 before we get to Acts. Luke chapter 16, because here's a very common passage of Scripture. About the rich man and Lazarus. Just examine some of these things around spirit, soul, and body and what happens after death. Luke chapter 16, starting at verse 19. Luke 16 and 19, it says, There was a certain rich man. So I'm going to stop right there. Now, this is in red. That means this is the Lord Jesus speaking of this. It's him talking. Now, he made a very specific statement. He said, There was a certain rich man. That means this is not a parable. He's not talking in parables here. He's talking about a specific rich man. That means this is a real person. 
This is not a parable. Why is that important? Because that means this is reality for you. What do I mean by that? Take this literally what he's saying here. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, it's interesting to see the comparison between these two individuals. Here's a comparison that you need to see. They both died. I'll say that again. They both died. It's appointed for man to die and then comes the judgment. You will die. And then you're going to have to stand before the living God for the eternal judgment. Judgment is coming. At that time, you locked into every decision you made on the side when you was living what you call life now, that's going to determine your destiny forever. Again, I'll make these statements again because I think we don't, we don't, we don't have, we're not eternally minded. We're, we're so temporal minded. But not understanding that these little years, I'm saying these little, this little time we have here, is nothing compared to eternity, to forever. But the things that we do now is going to affect where you're going to be at forever, for eternity. Eternity means there is no time limit. There's no counting of years in. There's no counting of time in. It's, it's eternity. It's everlasting to everlasting. That's what you're going to be locked into based on what you're doing right now. See, it's time for some of us to sober up. Because you act like you... Some of us act... I'm talking about believers. I'm not talking about those that are you know, out there, the unjust, the sinners... I'm talking believers. Act like there's no judgment day. Act like we're, you know, you just act like we're not going to have, uh, we're not going to give an account for the things we've done in our flesh. We are. It's called the judgment seat of Christ for you believers. God's going to ask you about those things. The Lord Jesus is going to ask you about the deeds you've done since you've been born again. Like what motivated you to do the things you do? You got to give an account for that. And I'm going to tell you right now, like I keep saying, God, the Lord, knows it all. So all that excuses, it's not even time to play that excuse game. And don't try to get legal with the Lord. The legal game. The play with, you're going to play the legal game with the Lord God Almighty. So again, these two individuals, they died. They had this in common. Again, death is common for all of us. That means both of their physical bodies return to the dust of the ground. That's what it means by they die. Both of their physical bodies return to the dust of the ground. They die. And it said, <clears throat> the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. 
Then it says, In hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am in tormented in this flame. Now, here this man has died. But you see, he still lives on. His spirit and his soul is intact. What do you mean by his soul is intact? This man still has a conscience. What do you mean by conscience? Like I said before, he understands that he's inside of this environment. He's inside this flame. And he has torment in his flame. Now, what is torment? It says torment's plural. Right, that means torment is a, is a place of suffering where there's no relief. A place of suffering where there's no relief. And here's the thing about your torment. The torment deals with you are also have memories of, of your previous life. That means you remember what things were before you got to that place. It's not like you, you get in all of a sudden, you just a guy, he's just like, oh, I don't know where I am. I, I got amnesia. I'm telling you, he remembered. He remembered Lazarus. He actually remembered him calling by name. That means you, your memory, your soul is intact. It has memories that are still there. That's part of your torment. You know, you're going to be tormented with your thoughts for the rest of your days. You're not going to forget anything. It's amazing. You may have amnesia now, but when you get to this place, your thoughts will be ever before you. You remember it all. You remember all the things you've done and said, and then it's going to come back that you're going to be in torment for the rest of your days while you're in flames. So you understood agony. And there's no change here. That means you can't, at this time, that's what I mean by eternal Uh, uh, judgment. That means there is no change from from this place to another place. You are locked in. Here's the true finality. I know we think death is the true finality. No, this is the true finality here. It's over. Right? There's no time to repent now and say, oh, I wish I would. It's it's over. You got to repent on this side. What do we mean by repent? You are to repent for the sin that you have committed and accept Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Jesus the Christ. Because he's the only one that has paid the price for your sin. He alone. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins, you will be like this man here. The reality will be you. So this man has a soul. And it's amazing because when you, you see this, this man was talking. This man had eyes. That means whatever form he had, he didn't have the physical body. Remember, the physical body returned to the dust of the ground. It was buried. But he was able to see, to hear, to communicate. Everything that you do now in this physical body, he was able to do there. He was able to recognize that water would help him cool his tongue. See, that's what I mean by the, your soul. You, had a, you understood that I need water. 
Water will bring forth a refreshing. See, your conscience is intact. Your soul is intact. You understand. You have your reasoning is all there. And then he recognized Abraham and called him father. See, it's amazing at this point, now all of a sudden, you know, we're going to call Abraham Father Abraham. You know, we're going to recognize our father, right? Remember we read back in Matthew 22, God said, I'm the God of Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, I'm the God of the living, not the dead. It's amazing how we recognize God now. We recognize who is patriarchs now. We recognize Father Abraham now. We recognize the covenant of God now. That means this man had been taught about God. This individual had been taught. That means, you know, words, someone had preached to him about Father Abraham. But he made a choice. And now he's locked into that. Verse 24 again. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in his flame. Now, why why ask for him to send Lazarus? That means interesting, right? That means he saw Lazarus. He saw someone that he recognized before he died. And then he considered, well, Lazarus is a beggar. I mean, he can come and help me. See, I'm telling you, it's to make all your thinking, all your mentality, the way you thought here, you're going to have that same mentality there. It's not like everything gets wiped away and you start out clean. You better, you better catch these things. You better understand the reality of what happens after death. Or at death. Stop watching all these movies, these TV shows, with the fantasies, and get to the reality that's here. Because you'll be this certain rich man. In your mind, you're going to be the rich man. You'll be a certain man or a certain woman. And you notice, whatever he had, physical possessions he had here, he did not have it there. And the Bible says it's certainty. We surely brought nothing into this world and it's a certain we're not going to take nothing out. So whatever you have here, you're not taking with you over there. That means whatever title you have here, whatever status you had here, whatever, you know, money you had, all that means nothing. So what matters here? The same thing that matters there. It's all about God. So you better realize that on this side, that it's all about God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Realize that on this end, to prepare you for eternity. But Abraham, verse 25, said, now we're having a conversation. But Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. I mean, he just kind of broke it down for him. In other words, you made a choice. You chose the rich things of this world instead of thinking about eternity that's found in Christ Jesus and the covenant we have in Jesus with Jesus Christ. He understood Abraham. 
he understood what Abraham represented. But Lazarus, he was comforted. And let me be very clear here because I'm going to be very clear because I never forget one time we was talking to the children in the back and we brought these things up to the children. And they said, of course, Lazarus should be comforted because, you know, he was a beggar. He had it hard here in his life. Just because you have it hard here in his life don't mean that, that you're entitled to having it good on the other side. Let me be very clear. Like, you know, people think because I had it so hard here, that means God owes me for eternity. God owes you nothing. In other words, if you are a beggar, if you have it hard here in this life and you had accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you end up the same place as this rich man. You will open your eyes in hell. That means you got it bad coming and going. That was your choice. God doesn't owe you because you had it hard here on this side. That's the wrong mentality we have. People say, I'm just going to do a, a, a vow of poverty so that because I'm, a, I'm looking for the, my reward and later in heaven. I'm like, what? What scripture are you reading? You know, how do I end up in heaven with the Lord, with God? It's through His Son, Jesus Christ. I have to remember, it's in Him that I move and live, I have my very being. I have to be found in Him. Paul talks about, I just need to, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I got to be found in him, the fellowship of his suffering. I got to be found in Christ. When this day comes for all of us, I got to make sure I got to be found in him. Him is Christ Jesus. That means I've already been identified with Christ Jesus on this side. So when this day comes, I'm going to be found in Christ. Regardless of what status I had over here. Whether I was a beggar or I was a king, i got to be found in Christ Jesus in order to end up in heaven with the Lord Jesus. With the heavenly Father, with the living God. Again, why are these things so important? You know, we spend so much time talking about these things because, again, at the time of death, we start saying silly things. Because, you know, people that have died and they had a very hard here. And I'm going to tell you this. They may have it very hard here, but they have not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I mean, this is probably cruel what I'm going to say, right? Because people say, well, at least they're in a better place. No, they're not in a better place. They're not in a better place. Yeah, you're wrong for that. They're not in a better place. If they have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord, I don't care how hard they had it here. And we sit there at funerals and say those kind of things, make statements, knowing that person, they made no claims of salvation through Jesus Christ at all. And had it hard. And I said, well, at least they're in a better place. I'm like, better how? Being in torment, when you want somebody to bring a, 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 a drop from their finger to bring you out of flame from torments, is not a better place. So that's why I'm telling you, that's why it's so important to understand your relationship, your fellowship you have with, our, with God through Jesus Christ. And make sure you witness and minister the gospel to them. Because you don't want no one to end up here. That's why we, the sister read it. God takes no pleasure in the wicked dying in their sins. She read that out of Ezekiel. God takes no pleasure in these things. 
So we sit here and make statements at funerals to try to comfort people that are just wrong. All right, let me get off my soapbox there. And beside all this, verse six, 26, and beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that will come from thence. Then he said, again, this rich man again talking. I mean, they're having a conversation. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, thou wilt, thou wilt send him to my my father's house. Now, now he's gotten to a place where, hey, I can't change anything about my situation here. Again, there's, that's torment. You are hopeless and helpless at that time. There's no relief coming. Now he realized that. So now his thought is about my family, my father's house, back in, on the other side. Then he said, I pray thee, Father, that thou wilt send to him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Notice, he said that. He brought up the R word. Repent. That means he heard the gospel and then repent. That means somebody ministered to him. And he rejected it. He did not repent from his sins and receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Look into the coming Messiah. He didn't repent. And so in his mind, somebody comes from the dead, speaking to him that they will repent. Verse 31, And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither Will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead? What is the message that Abraham is telling this rich man about repentance, about salvation? He said, you have to hear the gospel message. That was Moses and Prophets talking about, the gospel message. It's the gospel message that brings you to a place where you will recognize that you are a sinner. What is talking about Moses and the prophets? Moses talked about the law. The law shows you that you are dead in your trespasses and sin. The law shows you that you are guilty. That shows you right there that you are guilty before God. That means you cannot save yourself. If you don't hear that message that you are guilty, then why are you going to need a Savior? Why somebody coming from the dead is going to persuade you to repent when you don't think there's nothing wrong with you? That's the issue that many... People have. They're thinking they're okay. I'm a good person. I'm a decent person. Or like we hear on Sunday, I'm a moral person. Well, I'm good. But are you righteous? Because righteousness deals with God. And God's standard alone stands for righteousness. If you're not found in Christ Jesus, there's nothing righteous about you. So I thank God for the blood of Jesus that has cleansed me and washed me. Made me whole. It's the blood of Jesus. God is so awesome. Again, that's why I have the victory. The victory over death is found in the blood of Jesus. What he has done to pay the price for my sin. He who knew no sin became sin for me. 
And I accepted that. I believed it. And I lived my life after that. So when this day comes, well, it's going to come for all of us, I can stand before the living God. And said, I received Jesus. Come on, I said, I'm found with him. I'm going to be sitting at the judgment seat of Christ. So if you don't hear the gospel message, you will find yourself, your eyes, in hell. Waking up. Your physical body will still be here. And there will be mourning and then crying and saying crazy stuff about you in a better place. And, but you're not. But your spirit and soul will be intact and you will be in torments for eternity. That's why there's no time like the present to get these things right now on this side while you still have an opportunity to. You got to wait here and have them say, God, have mercy on me then. God, have mercy on me now. And they'll show you Christ Jesus who have mercy on your soul. For the forgiveness of your sin that you committed against God. And you can truly repent and receive Jesus Christ for your Lord and Savior. So again, this is a these messages to me, this is this is the message of victory. This is the message of encouragement. That's why, again, as, as believers, we look at death differently. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's gonna be a time where I'm gonna actually see the living God. Like I've never seen him before. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.